0: Welcome, Major League Rugby fans, to a unique edition of the Major League Rugby Rant. We're coming to you on a special occasion. Uh, Wesley White, one of the uh, top rugby players, collegiate rugby players, uh, throughout four years at Lindenwood uh, and the 2019 season, uh, has joined us and wants to talk a little bit about his experience as a collegiate player coming from overseas, playing in college, and then moving into the professional ranks. And so before we get going with some questions and talking with Wesley about his experience, I just want to give the fans out there an idea of his abilities as a player, where he came from, and what he's accomplished uh, at Linwood University. So Wesley was a two-time collegiate All-American, a two-time collegiate rugby uh, champion, uh MVP uh, in the 2019 season, and an MVP of the Rugby Town Sevens. Uh, uh,
1: CRCs really? and then Nationals, not Rugby Town. Right. Unfortunately, it was a bit short there.
0: Okay, so the CRCs and then the Nationals. Um, He was also a collegiate All-American who played against Canada, and during that match was named Man of the Match. So he has had quite an, impressa- an impressive uh resume uh, on offer, uh, after college, uh, Wesley was planning on playing in the United States, had signed a contract to play with Austin, uh, somewhere in there, they transitioned from, uh, the herd to the Gilgronies, right. Um, and then, uh, Wes has now moved on and is living in the United Kingdom and, um, looking to play professional rugby in England. So, first of all, uh, welcome to the show, Wes. We really Thank appreciate you. you joining us.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: No problem. And, of course, you, uh, you know, I've got my uh, Linwood banner up and my Linerwood, uh shirt in support, brother. So Fits well, uh, fits
1: well. Yeah, Looks well, good I, on
0: you. I got it from somebody we know. So... <laughs> First of all, uh, what has transpired that led to this interview is the Handoff Sports published an article by Austin Wills, uh, and in that article, it was entitled "Where Aware Is Wesley White." And obviously, the gist of the story was that uh, one of the top collegiate rugby players in the United States, uh, leading up to the 2019 season, was supposed to be playing in the M.L.R. was no longer playing the trade in Major League Rugby, and. The nature of the article is to unfold why that happened or what's transpired that has led to you uh, going to the UK. From what we understand, um, this was supposed to be in a podcast in which you were going to actually be able to express verbally uh, your story and what has happened. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how the story evolved, first of all, how your contact with uh, Austin evolved?
1: Uh, you know, Austin, uh, Austin dealt with me at Austin uh, a Herd or, you know, at when I first arrived. And, yeah, I played against him that one, for, uh, I think it was a Saturday before the preseason started, before the Denver. And, you know, he he contacted me and he wanted to know, you know, obviously there was a video of me and my dad. As a youngster, my dad lifting in the, the World Cup and, you know, just meeting Tom Brady and finishing and going to Leicester. And he wanted to know, uh, and disgusted th- me and me to tell my story about how all of this has influenced me and why I made these decisions to leave so that I could explain to other individuals uh, that, that were wondering why I wasn't with the team anymore so that I could get my side of the story out um, and I think he did well uh, but obviously there was misinterpreted by some which I see in the comments and so I thought I'd just come on here and explain to, to the people my side of the story and you know explain it in great detail and you know, just just to justify the whole thing.
0: Okay, so let's just start with this. I think your story really starts to evolve uh, right at the end of the 2019 season as Linenwood is preparing uh, to enter the Sweet 16 tournament, D1A. Uh, You guys are really having a pretty successful season and looking to put the pressure on Life University potentially uh, for the national championship. So your story starts there. Why don't you explain to the viewers um, how that period of time in your life was going with respect to rugby, not only in college, but, t- but potentially setting yourself up for postgraduate uh, playing in Major League Rugby during that month of, you know, April, May and June?
1: Uh so obviously I was having conversations with Macy to to stay another year, uh while well, stay another semester and add a minor to my degree. Um, but obviously there was a bit of things going on in terms of eligibility and you know, teams talking to me already and you know just uh getting better scholarships and all that. And then obviously I went and we were we were focusing on a quarterfinal against Arkansas uh at Navy's facilities it was a big time and in my life, obviously, as captain, you know, I, I, what we wanted to finish the year, especially for myself and Tavol. We didn't even have a, a senior night because we didn't know what our future was going to hold with if we were going to return to Lindenwood or if we were going to uh, go for the MLR. And obviously, it wasn't you? You didn't really declare for it. It was just a conversation, and some people didn't even know that me and Duval were finishing in December time. Uh, and then, obviously. Um, you know New England page, uh, New England got in contact with me uh, and discussed the opportunity of coming and join them and obviously with me being under coach Willocks uh, the year before in the, the collegiate game uh, was something that was a pulling factor for me because I enjoy working with him he gets the best out of me he he really deals with me well and I enjoy uh, his coaching style so that was very uh, a thing for me that it, Uh, pulled me towards there, and obviously with Tiger Leader and all those individuals there, you know, obviously it was a bit of a tough time because I still had to focus on once we won that, to possibly play life at life, which, you know, is the biggest rivalry between Lindenwood and life. Um, So obviously, I was focusing on that, and, you know, I asked uh, New New England to hold on, uh, because obviously it could ruin my eligibility if I signed. Um, or made any decision, I'd lose out as captain. I'd lose out in a semi-final, possibly a final. Um, and then, obviously, losing to life was probably a very hard time for all of us. And then, uh, a week later, we had to get ready for sevens, which, obviously, doesn't come light when you've won it uh, multiple times in a row. So, you know, obviously, a lot of pressure was on us. And, obviously, losing McFeeks and all those who who were MVP the previous year well, was a lot of weight was on our shoulder to, to maintain that. And obviously, with the whole Harley Wheeler issues with him and his eligibility with ATL and life, there, I know there was a bit of drama there, which, you know, it wasn't the kid's fault. He he, he made a decision in trying to sort out his life, which probably was unorganized uh, by the MLR in, in terms of he didn't know how to deal with it. And obviously, I didn't want to do the same. And we, Macy called us into a meeting and said, listen, guys, please do not do anything that could ruin your things. Let's just... Um, Take some time and uh, you know chat to them after the CRCS, and obviously the day after CRCS you have to leave to go home to wherever your respective countries. And I went home to South Africa with my girlfriend, uh, and obviously a six-hour time difference. I, I got a phone call at three a.m. to say, listen, uh, you know, you got to make a decision. We've paid for this extended time from the Arkansas semifinal to to my to that day, and I said, listen, as I'd like to say, I really. I'm honoured by the the chance to come to New England. And obviously I don't want to mess you guys around. Um, it was just, I had, I hadn't even spoken to my family about it yet. I didn't even know if my dad would, you know, what his thoughts about it or what my mom's thoughts. So obviously I wanted to go home and spend time with them and then uh, chat to them about the opportunity. And, you know, I, you know, they'd paid a lot of money to to extend those time and I can understand why they they, they later on released it and let other teams talk to me. Uh, but always, to look back at it, I'm I'm grateful that New England did. And then obviously, I went to play collegiate 15s and had a lucky day. Um, great team performance by a great bunch of boys that only spent a week together. And that's when Austin was there with uh, Todd Clever and... Uh, you know, Andrew, and then obviously Paul Santilli watching the, the game, He he's a good friend of mine and asked for me to come to Austin. And that's where, uh, you know, they asked me well, who I'd like to bring. And I said Deval, who had been looked at over by a number of teams who, who had unbelievable stats that no one knew about. He had hit 60 uh, breakdowns in the, in the semifinal against life. And if you think who, who does that in a game, but Those things get overlooked by many teams. And he's an unbelievable player who's played for Western Province. He's played for a number of great teams and he was overlooked. And so, yeah, uh, that was just a bit of the situation with my my draft or or the selection process, which, you know, I don't, I'm very grateful by New England and, and you know, they're an incredible team as you saw this year. So it would have been nice if I did go there. But obviously, I decided to go to, to Austin where the challenge was of their previous losing streak. And I could do it with my friend, Michael Duvall. And, you know, I could just create a legacy of my own and, and be part of a change in something special, which obviously Austin, you know, beating Houston, they they were on a roll of uh, doing uh, good things of, of their change.
0: So, so I want to step in here for a moment, because I think you hit on a, there's a lot there to unpack. And one of the biggest things that I think is important to address Uh, in this process that you've just described for a lot of our fans that are following major league rugby is the challenge for collegiate players to, to understand the process and the balancing act as they end their collegiate career and begin to look forward to a professional career. What are some of the challenges of that process? And is there any advice that you could offer some of those kids that are in that position right now, trying to make a decision about whether to continue that additional year of college eligibility, especially with COVID. Some of the guys right now that should have graduated, they have an extra year. It's been granted to them. Uh, What are some of the challenges and what is some of the advice that, that you can um, describe and talk about given your experience?
1: You know, I think during these times you can use it to your advantage. If you don't think you, uh, physically ready for, for the league, I think you can add on eligibility and, and ask your coach for better scholarships, or which I know Linwood is helping uh, facilitate these issues. And then, you know, get yourself in the best condition as possible. And, and, you know, one thing I've learned recently is footage. You know, every single time you're on a treadmill or something, go watch someone like David Pocock or Julian Sevier or Nanu and, and just go watch their footage every single day while you're on the treadmill when you're doing nothing, and you will learn so much that you never thought was was possible in a highlight reel. And then also just to, to you know, if you have a possibility of staying at university, it's an incredible environment, especially, I, you know, I miss Linwood right now, and I wish I could go back to it, and just the friends that I made is enjoy it while it lasts, uh, you know, playing in front of a crowd of, you know, your university that supports you through thick and thin and, you know, being on TV with CRCs, um, a lot of followers. It's just enjoy it while it lasts because it goes quickly. And people say that, and you know, you only realize once it happens to you and just become the best version of yourself. And when you get to the MLR, you um, just be a total sponge and learn from the people around you. Uh, use this time wisely. And, and you know, academics comes first. I know a lot of boys were wondering, you know, do I give up university and go for the MLR now because the MLR visa issues and every other issue is that, you know, rather get your degree done and then the MLR will, will come when it's ready. And, you know, the, the league's growing. A year later, the league will be a, a year even bigger. So if you take your time out by the time you arrive, it's going to be even more bigger. So, and it will have more capability of, uh, you know, helping other individuals come in with the visa things and the issues that are playing out now.
0: So I want to backtrack just a little bit and circle back. Uh, we had the pleasure of sitting down and talking a little bit in November of 2018 here in Chicago uh, as uh, one of your teammates, Chance Wagaluski, who was on our show uh, last week, was preparing to um, blood himself into the USA uh, team against the New Zealand Maoris. You were in talks with USA Rugby at that time. Yes, um, sure. And that kind of set in motion the process of you beginning to ply your trade and play your rugby professionally here in the United States. So can you kind of talk a little bit about What has developed after you signed with Austin and how things progressed from that point to the point where you've ended up now, um, you know, being ineligible for the United States and therefore looking to play your rugby elsewhere?
1: Sure. So, obviously, I want to first say that you know, the 7th Circuit, which I went to the USA Olympic Centre to train with the USA Sevens team, uh, and then obviously was in chat with uh, Gary Gold in terms of possibility of playing for America, is that, first of all, the 7th Circuit is very different because their main priority is winning the Olympics. And the only way you can register for the Olympics is by having a passport. And the only way you can have a passport is by having a green card and living for living in a country for five years, you get a passport. So by the time you're 30, you're probably not going to be chosen for the Olympics and play such a hard sport on your body. So obviously, I had spoken to my father, and we had discussed. You know, it was a hard opportunity for me to to look in that. So the sevens direction then became to a halt. Then obviously, the 15s. I was just graduating. I just signed with Austin and i got in touch with mr hodge to send my forms to him and to explain how that works i think there's three ways you can do it either your parents were born in america uh your uh, up to your grandparents i think it is and then or you totally fully uh want to make america your home and you you've paid for your own tuition you've uh rented a house so that you proving into the world rugby that you you want to make America your home uh, or you get married which I still think doesn't eligible make you eligible to be a USA but it allows you to be an MLR local player but I think there's still something tricky with that so obviously I went towards the direction of that I have paid my intuition because I had money saved up prior to um, going to university so I'd sent them forms that I'd paid for my intuition and then uh, there was a bit of uh, issues because obviously the whole Mr. Hodge got fired. I saw in the newspaper and I was a bit confused because now I, that was the guy I was dealing with, with yeah. my pathway to thing. And obviously to explain to some Americans is that on the 1st of January, it went, you you normally had to live in a country for three years and play for a team for three years. And then you were eligible to play for America But on the 1st of Jan, it went from three years to five years. So I had to now get my stuff done by 1st of Jan before I turned into the next catalog, which would have turned disastrous. Five years is a long time. And obviously, I sent all my forms off and I didn't know who to send it off because it was getting bounced back because Mr. Hodge was fired. So I phoned Paul Santilli and I said, now, who do I send this to? Because I don't know who to send this to the guy that's no longer works there. So he gave me uh, JD Stevenson and I sent it to JD and JD replied on the I think It was the 6th of Jan or something saying, listen, did anyone check your forms? Because they say you, you received money from your dad. That was over a certain amount. Someone told me it was 9,000 or something like that, which obviously I purchased the car in America and, all those other issues, like my dad giving me Christmas money or birthday money, apparently then made me not fully self-sufficient. And only on that simple basis was I denied by world rugby to play for America. So not only did I lose out of my three years at Lindewood, because I was at Linderwood for three and a half years, no longer counting, I now went from three years to five years. So now I'd start January 1st and have to play for Austin and hope Austin would extend me after the three years that I signed with them to then become, uh, you know, play there for five years and hope that America is now going to pick me at the age of 29 because I'm 24 now, is a bit, you know, unrealistic. So, you know, obviously a South African who wants to move out of uh, South Africa, it, it made it harder for me to to find comfort in, in that someone was going to sign me for the next five years to hopefully play for America. So I, I made a decision in a short run that um, – you know my grandma is born was from England. I qualify for green card in England. It was about to expire on uh, June some date, and I had a meeting with uh, the uh, the austin coach saying listen i I have to go home i I'm in home in terms of England because uh, i don't i don't there's no way for me to really make America at the age of twenty nine with how regulargies growing is someone going to select a twenty nine year old you know even recently francois Low said anyone who plays for a country at the age of 30 or plays rugby at the way rugby is going, it's going to be impossible. Uh, So for me, it was, I had to make the decision to go to England, renew my green card and live here now for the five years to get my passport to now live, come in and out of England and not lose my so called green card in England. So it was a rough decision that I had to then make in a month uh, and which, you know, Todd, he understood because he's played in Japan, he's played in South Africa. I was very fortunate that he was the one that could hear me and understand, and he just said, "You know, we did sign you as a local player, and you know, we couldn't, we couldn't fight that." And uh, obviously, also me being on my OPT visa, which isn't allowed, um, so it was, it, it was a no-brainer that it was the correct thing for me to come to England and, and come on trial with the Leicester Tigers and have a meeting with with other teams. So, you know, I was just a bit unfortunate. It, uh, you know, Mr. Hodge getting fired if if maybe he stayed on longer and I could still talk to him and say, Listen, can you change these forms or not change them, but you know, allow me to put description of why I got paid that Christmas money and my birthday money, because my birthday and Christmas is in December. So that's why the lump sum of money came in. So if I could uh turning back in time and you know, if you say I didn't fire that individual at that time, it was just unlucky and everything happens for a reason. And I think You know, that's why I'm here, sitting here today in England, just finished a trial with the Leicester Tigers, which meeting the likes of George Ford, Manito Lange, Johnny May, Ben Young, Tom Young. You know, not many people get to do that. So I've learned a lot in in the past um, few months of the big wide world. It's an interesting place.
0: So you talked a little bit about some of the challenges that young players coming out of college and then uh, attempting to play in the MLR, especially, uh, obviously, this is with respect to foreign players, kids who have come from other countries to the United States to play college rugby here, and then considering their options moving to the MLR, um, have a very difficult time uh, in the process making that transition. It sounds like you, got, you were fortunate to have some people that were giving you good advice like paul santinelli and like todd uh clever um not all players get that kind of advice not all players coming out of college rugby programs have an opportunity to um, interact with uh, individuals of that caliber so moving forward um what can, what lessons can be learned by these players that are following your footsteps coming from overseas, playing college rugby? What lessons can be learned here uh, by those young men um, from your story? So
1: obviously how I met Paul, you know, it was uh, lucky because I went to San Francisco Golden Gate. And, you know, it, you know, when your parents sees it's who you hang around with and who you meet and, you know, the importance of communication and just being the right person to those people. For example, a lot of people think my dad was the one that put me in touch with less tigers. My dad had no clue. He would be happy for me to go work in a bank now as an international business degree. And, uh, you know, Tony Wells was the one that I contacted and said, listen, do you have an agent that I can use? And he put me in touch with an agent, which the agent then organized me to go less tigers. So, you know, I was very... Uh, lucky to meet individual individuals that have helped me in so many ways, like you say, and that's by going to play for San Francisco Golden Gate during the summer when most people would go home for those three four months because it's not it's easy, you know. You out your comfort zone, you you return back home, and sometimes you don't go home for a year and a half, which I did. And luckily enough, that's when I met those special people that have made an impact on me, you know. And also, uh, Todd is on through the motions of playing around the world and you know you you can learn a lot from those individuals you know you you be a sponge yes I've achieved some great things in my rugby but I thought that when I came out of high school and you know there was a lot of tension on me because of who my dad was and I thought you know I knew everything but when you meet so many special players or people in the world is that there's so much to it in in terms of Uh, being a professional athlete you know I was very fortunate to meet Tom Brady in December is that you know why is he so good is because he's a person that is so obsessed with what he does and he will learn and he will look after his body and you know if I didn't meet that person you know I, I wouldn't look after or be so strong in my recovery now and be, make sure I'm the best athlete at the time in terms of my physical thing, being. So, you know, going to Leicester, I was in the best physique possible because I was, I knew what to look at and I knew how to watch my video. So to answer your question is, you know, the game is adapting so quickly and you have to adapt to it and you will, you, you will never be suitable for the game. You You're going to always have to better yourself and Find the right people that can push you to do that. You know, I was very lucky to go to Lindenwood who had uh, Coach Macy that helped me uh, change and become a a, a sevens athlete that I never thought I was. I went from playing one minute in my first year to to obviously, like you said, winning MVP for CRCs and Nationals. I would never have guessed that. Uh, And just being in the right system allowed me to do that. So if I could answer the question correctly, is that just find your spot that suits you at the university do a lot of research and find the one that suits you best and and again you will flourish and you're allowed to become so much better um than you originally thought and and, yeah Uh,
0: let's let's get back for a moment to the article uh that kind of kicked off our discussion um talk a little bit about the canadian pathway and how that uh has had an impact on your story and your process to where you are now uh, playing in the UK and, and getting a trial with Leicester?
1: So obviously a lot of people think I, I, I'm eligible to play for Canada, uh, which unfortunately I'm not, uh, even though I have an uncle there. But no, so to explain that is obviously Canada has a lot more, less restrictions on moving to Canada. You know, they're looking for people to live there and all that. So as an individual trying to get out South Africa, if I could, You know, possibly play for Canada in the next upcoming five years at the age of twenty nine, where rugby's still growing. Um, That's a highly possibility um, compared to other countries. For for me, I was just uh, putting my uh, name out there and wanted to see what the possibilities was. And some teams came back to me, and um, a local team that, you know, one of the ice hockey boys at Lindenwood uh, contacted me and said, "My dad coaches." In Canada, would you like to come play for for his team if there was a possibility? And maybe, you know, you could find yourself living here. And so for me, it was possible the, the more looking at it as setting up for my family, as in terms of in the future generations of you know not living in South Africa anymore where it's not safe. Um, so it was more it wasn't it obviously is for the rugby and how Throw the game of rugby in Canada, and hopefully, you know, coach it there or whatever. It, it was more of a pathway that is available to me because of the less restrictions in in, in passports or residency in the future, such as America, is which is so complicated. You know, my girlfriend's been dating me for a year, and a bit now, and she still doesn't understand how the visa process works or how any of that works. Where that's you know, with Trump, make it even harder. You know, where. Canada was more pathway for me to play rugby, grow the game of rugby, and possibly make my home there in the future. Um, and they have spoken to me, and you know, possibly play for the Sevens team in the future. It's it's just talk. It's it's nothing's come of it in terms of contract wise, but it's just a, an option that's been presented to me that you know is looking attractive.
0: So if, if I understand it, it looks to me and to a lot of outsiders that, you know, you, you've explored the possibilities of playing for the United States. Uh, there's the possibility potentially of playing for uh, Team Canada at some level. Uh, you're li- currently living in the UK. You have a grandmother, as you said, that uh, gives you a pathway to, to having your green card there. Um, are you looking to ultimately, if given an opportunity, are you looking to play internationally for... Uh, England? Or, you know, what's kind of your international pathway that you're trying to explore?
1: So obviously, now I obviously qualify for England sevens, I qualify for England 15s. So, you know, the same as America's restrictions with foreign players, you know, so there's the premiership and all those leagues. So I no longer count as a foreigner in that league, even though I don't have a passport. My grandparents are from here. So in the world rugby term is that I'm a local player. So, you know, with the England team or any premiership teams, if they have any players that are English, the t- England then pays that team uh, p- for that person. But if they're a foreigner, then that team has to pay a certain amount for that, which is even more expensive for a foreigner. So obviously I qualify for England 7s, I qualify for England 15s, I also qualify for South Africa 7s, I also qualify for South African 15s. So I can decide if I want to try go for the Stormers or if I want to try go for the Sharks, which I've done before under my dad, or I look at Leicester Tigers, which I've just finished now and I haven't heard you know with the corona things, it's put things on hold. supposed to go to Saracens on trial there, Um, but again the Monday I was supposed to head there, the corona happened. So yeah, obviously I'm looking at opportunities of hopefully representing a country that uh, will allow me to to grow uh, and, and become, uh, you know, a resident of that country and and, and obviously find a home there, home in there, and, and for future generations of my name and you know hopefully make an impact in the rugby world uh, wherever I'm situated.
0: So let's just say England Sevens called you uh, when things open back up. You could play for England right now.
1: Yes, correct. That is correct. Okay. Uh, so I've been a bit lucky with uh, where my parents uh, have. Uh, originated from okay
0: um and then let's get to one last question i think this has got to be on the minds of mlr fans out there uh let's just say fast forward uh things don't work out as planned for you in the uk is the door open for you to come back to the united states and join a major league rugby franchise do you ever see that happening
1: i think in the future generations uh yes i think uh the plan is to increase my value as a player and get as much out of rugby as possible uh, in terms of uh, professionalism, in terms of like the great leaguers and uh, premier league and all that. Um, and then hopefully return to the MLR and, and finish there. And, you know, hopefully coach, uh, you know, I've recently tried to uh, get my dad to come coach at Kyle Berkeley uh, when, when the, that coach is gone. So, yeah, um, But yeah, you know, for me, I will always have a home at MLR in terms of, uh, you know, I have great friends there that I've been to university. Nice to uh, join them again. I think MLR is definitely a possibility. But right now, the main uh, thing is just getting my value up as a player in terms of, you know, the knowledge if I play for England Sevens or if I play for uh, Leicester Tigers, Worcester Warriors, Saracens, just to go out there and, and get as much, um, exposure as possible in, into that rugby of, you know, England is where the, the sport originated from. And, you know, if I get to use my grand who who lived here and get her to watch me play, you know, the most special thing for me is now, hopefully if I play for England or South Africa, is that I get to my gran to, to see me on the world stage would be special for me. So that would be the main priority. But I think MLR is not out of the question. Uh, for possibilities in the near future.
0: Okay. Well, uh, the MLR rant from Scott, Ty, myself, we want to first of all wish you the best in your future uh, rugby career and hope that things turn out as, uh, as you hope, uh, whatever, whatever your intentions are. Um, And we want to thank you for coming on and being able to clarify um, what transpired, you know, from your collegiate career uh, winding to a close and moving into your professional career, and explain your your side of things. Um, so, thank you very much for coming on no to us. We really appreciate it. And uh, for all you Major League Rugby Rand fans, thanks for joining us. Uh, continue to watch Wesley's career transpire over in the UK, and hopefully, he'll see some uh, success and have a lot of good things happen for him. And maybe one day he'll return uh, to the U.S. Shores, uh, either as a coach or a player, and uh, give us uh, some of his experience and some of his uh, excellent attitude that clearly he's shown us here at the MLR so, Thank you
1: so much for having me, and I appreciate uh, all the time and allowing me to, to just set things straight and allow people to, to hear detailed parts of the story just to you know, understand and help individuals in the future.
0: All right. Well, once again, thanks for coming on, Wes. And from uh, all of us at the MLR Ant and the MLR Fan Zone, thank you much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thank you. All
0: right. So-